This is the Practical Teaching Tips Podcast. I am your host, Richard James Rogers, high school science and chemistry teacher and author of the award-winning book, The Quick Guide to Classroom Management. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode on the Practical Teaching Tips podcast. I am your host, as always, Richard James Rogers. Today, I'm going to be talking about flipped learning, and in particular, how flipped learning can be used in the high school classroom. Now, just before I get into the topic, a little update about these podcast episodes. Um, I'm going to try my best to make my voice a little bit slower. I do realize in the past I've maybe been speaking a little bit too quickly. Um, I am relatively new to podcasting. Um, I'm, I'm recording these podcast episodes for the most part on a little um, dictaphone device um, with my laptop in front of me. So it's, it's very low tech, but I, I hope the audio is clear. I was talking with a, a colleague of mine um, just a few days ago at the end of the, the half-term break at a, at a little staff gathering, and he used to work in radio, and his advice to me was to, uh, to slow down a little bit. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to do that because... I want um, I want these podcast episodes to be really clear for everyone listening, and also everybody. If you do have any suggestions for me about anything about um, a topic request or anything I can do to make these podcast episodes even better for you, then please do email me at info at richardjamesrogers dot com. One more time, that's info at richardjamesrogers.com and you can find my contact details in the episode description uh, no matter where you listen to your podcasts. So let's get into flipped learning. Now this for me is a really interesting topic because to be quite honest I don't think I was fully aware of what flipped learning is or was for a very long, long time, actually, uh, probably about 15 years into actually, into actually teaching, did I find out what flipped learning is. And I think there's a lot of teachers out there who kind of have an idea of what flipped learning might be, but maybe might not be fully aware of what it is. And certainly when I was doing the research um, for the blog post I'm going to read to you and in the subsequent um, in-class kind of activities I've done, I've realized that flip learning is, is a lot more than what I thought it was. So what I'm going to do now, everybody, is I'm going to read to you a, um, a blog post that I've written um, and the link to the blog post will be, of course, in the episode description. And um, I'll, I'll offer my commentary along the way. I'm just trying to close my uh, antivirus notification right now. And hopefully this will scroll down so I can read it to you. So, so here we go. Uh, here begins the, um, 
the pod, the, sorry, the blog post, which I'm going to read to you now. The phrase flipped learning means exactly what it implies. Things are flipped. For instance, homework is done prior to a topic introduction rather than after it. Children are assigned some reading or research to do prior to a lesson and they then bring questions to class which can be used in follow-up activities. Pace of learning is more student-controlled rather than teacher-controlled. Flipped learning was first conceived as a pedagogical technique in 2007 by Jonathan Bergman and Aaron Sams, who set out to answer a big question. What is the best way to use face-to-face class time? The answer they came up with, in essence, was that students should be involved in some well-designed discovery tasks at home or outside of the lesson prior to deeper exploration in which the content they've learned is reinforced, related and extended in the classroom. And that's basically what deep learning is, isn't it, everyone? It's relating and extending and discovering new information and reinforcing old information as well. Those of you who've listened to my podcast all about deep learning versus surface learning will immediately recognize those, those key words and those, those uh, descriptors and adjectives of, um, of deep learning. One reason why flipped learning has gained extra traction in the past five years especially is that it has been demonstrated to enhance metacognition if used periodically. And of course, metacognition is the number one uh, buzzword in education right now, um, probably even bigger than chat, GPT and AI, I think. Um, it's what everyone's talking about. Um, there is a podcast episode you can listen to in this series um, in which I interview the head of science at Garden International School in Rayong here in Thailand, um, Corinna Graham, and she gives a brilliant overview of some ways to increase metacognition with your students. So definitely check out that podcast episode. Um, I'll put a link to that actually in this episode description and um, a blog post about uh, metacognition. So carrying on with this blog post, putting theory into practice. Most teachers have a good understanding of what flipped learning is as a theoretical concept but difficulties arise when the time comes to apply the theory to a real lesson. Is it really just as simple as getting the kids to read ahead? In this blog post, I aim to answer that question. The short answer is no, by the way. I will also describe some practical, actionable ways in which flipped learning can be utilized across subject areas. One little warning I'd like to make about flipped learning before I start is I do not believe that it should be used every single lesson. That would overload the students with too much independent study, especially if they are in lower secondary school or below. However, regular flipped learning, for example on a bi-weekly basis, can be a great way to facilitate deep learning in your subject as opposed to just surface learning. And on that point, everybody, 
don't forget that many of our students who are returning to school now and, and did so last year, they've been through roughly two to three years of hybrid, remote and online learning. And they don't want to be coming to school and doing even more independent study and watching videos before lessons begin and, and reading ahead that much. Um, and I've noticed this in, um, in my job that, you know, the, the students, now that they're actually back in school physically, they do prefer to be doing um, more kinesthetic activities, um, more spatial learning activities, more interactive things. However, flipped learning still does have a place, I believe, and it can be used periodically to, um, to get the students to really think deeply about what they're learning and prepare for reinforcement and deeper exploration and extension of knowledge later on when they come back to school um, after they've done that pre-reading pre-reading at home but don't do this too often but I think once every two weeks is is really good and it's definitely going to it's definitely going to enhance uh, metacognition as we said before so let's take a look what are the six steps of flipped learning now I cannot take the credit for creating or even describing the six steps you're about to hear. That goes to an excellent web page by Michigan State University, which is linked in the blog post um, in this episode description. What I will do, however, is give my own spin on the steps um, as you hear them. So enjoy. Number one, this is the first step of the six steps of flipped learning. So what's step one? Plan your lesson. An obvious first step, but make sure you've thought about learning outcomes and the resources you will use. Uh, there's a separate blog post you can read all about lesson planning, which I will link in this episode description. Number two, record or supply a video. Videos seem to be a kind of cornerstone of the flipped classroom or flipped learning model. In my opinion, it's not always necessary to actually make a video yourself. You may be able to find something perfect that's been made already on sites like Vimeo and YouTube, uh, for example. Number three, share the video with your students. Make it clear that the video will be discussed and utilized in class. So it might be a good idea to make a few notes on it. Step four, change. Leave the video behind. We're not watching that video again. Now the students have to use what they've learned from the video in some kind of deep learning activity in class. So that could be creating a game, creating a quiz, creating a Google Slides presentation. Um, it could be answering some questions on content on that video in groups some kind of activity that gets them to problem solve, relate, extend what they've learned in that video. Number five, group the students. So put the students in groups before you give them the activity or, or maybe afterwards as well. It's totally up to you how you do this. So group the students and do some kind of activity that allows greater exploration and some ideas are going to follow. 
And number six, step six, regroup. Get the students to present their individual group work, so present their group work to the whole class in some way. Now, this could be a Google Slides presentation. It could be a drama or acting kind of session. It could be an infographic they've created. All manner of different things. Once all of these six steps are complete, reinforce the content with review tasks, revision, and repetition. So that's the, the kind of overall framework of the flipped classroom or uh, of flipped learning. Now, how do we actually put that into practice? What are some real everyday practical things we can do with students to facilitate this flipped classroom? Well, I think you can put the students into groups um, before the pre-reading videos, simulations or other prep work if possible. And when the students come back to class, get those students to create something from the information they've already researched. Now, this creative process will naturally involve further exploration. Consider the activities I'm going to describe to you now. And of course, let the students choose what they would like to do if possible. Choice is a, a key element, I think, of um, the deep learning process and can definitely form a part of the flipped, the flipped classroom. So here's an activity, podcasting or recording an audio clip. Um, I'm in the fortunate situation that um, I actually have a podcast, so I know a little bit about the technical details of how to actually do one. Um, and that's helped me to get my students to record audio clips in class. Um, once the sound file has been created, and that can be done on the students' phones, their tablets, um, it's very rare that a student's actually going to have a special recording device like a dictaphone, um, but most smartphones um, and laptop computers will have built-in microphones um, or headsets often have microphones in them. Um, and the, the students can send the audio file to the teacher in any way that seems appropriate. So that could be via email. Um, that might not work if it's a very large audio file though. Google Classroom is a, is a good option. Uploading to YouTube, um, which requires another process that the students have to learn. So if you, if you um, go to my blog post, everybody, that's linked in this episode description, you'll, you'll see a link to the process the students have to learn where they can upload their videos to YouTube. Um, and I've also written a separate blog post all about some steps students should take to create the audio file. But it's actually very, very easy um, once you know what you're doing. Basically, the students record the file on their phones or devices. Um, they download some software called Audacity. Um, and in Audacity, they they basically um, they can clip and trim the audio if they want to, but usually all they have to do is um, is just change the um, the loudness normalization to minus eighteen LUFS, and once they've done that, they can export the file as an MP3. Um, MP3 audio files tend to take up less space than um, 
WAV files, for example. So that's an activity you can do. Another activity is groups can create a short lesson that contains some kind of practical element. Interestingly, uh, some research shows that one of the best ways to learn something is to teach the topic that you have to learn. So, quite simply, ask your groups of students to prepare a lesson in which they must teach the whole class. To spice things up, the students could build a model, uh, demonstrate an experiment, pass objects around the class, or do anything that stimulates touch, smell, and maybe taste, if um, you're brave enough. Next one, groups create a quiz. Quizzes can be a really fun way to test student knowledge. And when done via a group creation project, they can be much less stressful for students than traditional testing. Furthermore, there are a number of great free multiple choice and graphic creation tools available on the web, such as Kahoot, Quizlet, Blookit, Quizzes and Wordwall. Perhaps each group could be given a different quiz app to use, or perhaps each group could choose two or more platforms to create several quizzes for the class to complete. And um, there is actually a blog post I've written, a very popular blog post. I think it's becoming my number one popular blog post of 2023 now, and it's called Five Awesome Live Quiz Apps that you can use in the classroom. And I will link to that blog post in this episode description. Um, and, and most of the ones in that blog post are free to use and they're just brilliant. They're brilliant. Um, another activity you can do for flipped learning and in the flipped, in the flipped classroom is groups could create models from everyday materials. Get your students to build things. Materials like plastic bottles, bottle caps, cardboard, coloured paper, plasticine or modelling clay, straws, shoe boxes, egg cartons and even old rope or string can all be used creatively by students to make models of the concepts they are studying. I've used this technique across my teaching in science to get students to create everything from atomic models to figurines of predators and prey in biology. Uh, furthermore, this is a great way to reinforce ideas about sustainability, reducing single-use plastic and recycling as well. So you tick many boxes with the, um, the model creating activity using everyday materials. It's a lot of fun. You can ask the students to bring in the materials if they want to. Um, you can do a round robin in your school. You can send an email to your colleagues at school and ask them to donate um, everyday materials like shoe boxes, for example. And you can leave um, a big box outside your classroom and members of staff or even other students in the school can, can add items in there and then you can use them in your uh, creative activity. It's a really good idea, that one, actually, cause, because it brings the it can bring the school community together um, if you plan it properly. Um, and it can be a great way, again, to teach about recycling and sustainability whilst getting the students to build a model of some kind of concept they've learned in your lesson as well. 
So many boxes being ticked there. You know, you've got metacognition, uh, you've got sustainability, you've got collaboration, teamwork. Um, so that, that's a really good one. So these ideas I've just uh, described are some that you may wish to consider. They happen to be some of my favorite ones. Uh, for a more comprehensive list of group activities you can use with detailed descriptions, you can see a separate blog post. <laughs> I have so many blog posts now. Um, I wrote on this topic and that blog post is in this episode description. Other activities which are suitable for the flipped classroom. Um, you could try a class debate. This is perfect when there are polar opposites to discuss. For example, for and against, or two different ways of solving a problem. So, for example, factorization or the quadratic formula in mathematics, uh, for example. Just make sure that every team member has a role to play in the debate. Um, if you don't do that, you're going to find that some students will just sit and be quiet the whole lesson. So assign roles, um, get as many students talking as possible. And this is so crucial in these post-pandemic years. Um, a number of um, uh, research papers have come out recently showing that um, children's language development, speech development... Um, language processing skills have really been hindered and slowed down by the, the online learning, remote learning, hybrid learning process. So it's, it's very important that we, we do get our students talking more now and interacting more. Um, another activity you might want to try is called peer instruction. Get groups to teach each other especially when each group has explored something that's slightly different. Um, another activity is get your students to implement some spatial learning games and activities. And again, there's, an, there's another blog post all about spatial learning that I've written, which you'll find in this episode description. And those are really, really good for getting your students moving around the classroom. And of course, when students are moving and learning at the same time, they are engaging multiple areas of the brain. And that is so good for building long-term memory. So definitely consider doing that. Now, there, there are some uh, recommended further reading websites, which I have for you. I'll list them in the, um, in the episode description, but I'll also read them to you now. So the first one is called How to Implement Flipped Learning in 2021 by the Royal Society of Chemistry. So the link to that is um, in this episode description. It's also in the blog post. Um, it's very relevant for today in 2023 as well. And then, of course, there's the excellent Michigan State University What, Why and How to Implement a Flipped Learning Model. Um, and that's where I, I took the six steps of flipped learning from uh, with my own spin, of course. And you can find the um, link to that in the episode description and in my blog post. So I do hope, everyone, that that was a useful, helpful overview of, um, of flipped learning. Uh, you do have to be... Um, I wouldn't say careful, but you do have to 
plan the flipped learning activities quite thoroughly. Um, I think one of the biggest mistakes that teachers make when they do flipped learning is they choose videos which are either too complex or too detailed or contain irrelevant information. So the videos you create or you choose, they really do have to be direct. They have to be at the right level for those students. Um, and that can be challenging. It, it, of course, requires the teacher to watch the video beforehand and make sure that it's appropriate and it's, it's hitting um, all of the content you want the students to know. Probably the second biggest mistake that students, uh, sorry, that teachers make with this is um, they don't choose the, the follow-up activity carefully enough. You've really got to think about which groups you're going to put the students in. Who do those students work with productively? Are you going to put them in mixed ability groups? mixed language groups, um, particularly if you have um, EAL or ELD or what's the other acronym, ESL students in your classroom. Um, and just really making sure that the flipped learning process is a fun, light-hearted process. And it should be actually a fun, light-hearted process. It shouldn't be an onerous, high-stakes um, strict kind of pressure-based homework. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a, a fun video for the students to watch. Um, you can give them the option to make notes on it if they want to, but they don't have to. And the whole idea is they try to remember as much as they can from that video, come to class, discuss the content with their peers in their groups, and use whatever they remember and their notes they've made to generate some kind of creative output from it. And then after that's done, it's again review, revision and reinforcement by the teacher later on. So thank you, everybody. Um, it is a proper pedagogical technique. Um, so if you're ever, um, you know, if you ever have a lesson observation, um, and, you know, someone comes in and they see this and, you know, they, they question your methodology or they say to you that, um, you know, there should be more interaction in the class or, um, you know, that maybe they're not so sure what your objectives are. You can use my blog post and, and show that to anyone who's observing you and, and just show them that this is the flipped learning model. It's a real pedagogical technique. Um, and, you know, this is what you're aiming to do with that. And you can even go through the, the six steps of, of the flipped learning method. So thank you, everybody. I do hope this was useful. Um, until next time, enjoy teaching, enjoy life. Take time out to look after yourselves. Remember, relaxed teachers mean relaxed students. Our health is so important. We should not be going to school stressed, tired, burnt out. Look after yourselves out there, everybody. Um, you know, in these podcast episodes, I try to give practical tips that teachers can use in the classroom. 
But if I could give just one tip out of all the tips I know and I've learned to a teacher, just one thing that will make you a better teacher, it would be this. A good night's sleep is the best way to be a great teacher, is the best way to have a good day of teaching. A good night's sleep leads to a good day of teaching, usually, usually. If that was the only tip I could give, then that's the one I would give. I'm not sure if I phrase that properly, but, um, you know, we've got to look after ourselves. So look after yourselves. Until next time, bye-bye for now. Take care.